Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. No happy Friday today. We are pre-recording on a Wednesday. Thank you for everyone joining me because I'm being difficult this week. Have to have a little oral surgery and mouths and talking are tricky after that. So Such thanks for being here. I know I'm a little bit grouchy today, so hopefully you guys will raise me up here. <laughs> we will, absolutely. Because oh, we, we're just sunshine, Mara we and I. We just love to sunshine. agree. It's a kumbaya when we get together. Raise it's beautiful. So our first topic is one that we talk about all the time. I know you haven't heard about this before, but COVID um, is raging here in the U.S. and around COVID, the world. that's a week, that's a topic this week? Come, I know. Just parachuted out of nowhere. I know. All of a sudden we have Omicron or Omicron or Omicron, depending on how you would like to say it. I've decided Omicron is going mm-hmm. to be my chosen way of saying it, but you can say it have however you, you like. Have you dove into how it gets its name? Uh, it just with the Greek, the Greek alphabet. Greek alphabet, yeah. Or, and then, so it's like a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just picks but it. But they just, skipped over Xi because of President Xi, the China really? president from China. They, yeah. didn't want, they didn't want to name a, Learn a, a variant yeah. after a... World leader, yeah, I hate especially that. with the whole. I would have. I think, spe- yeah, I actually thought it was incredibly appropriate, but others who didn't, made that did decision not. didn't wow. know. I know. Me. I'm super frustrated with it right now because I was literally while I was driving into work today. Uh, before I went to work, we were paying my daughter's fees for her study abroad. She was going to be going to the UK, and we were going to the UK because uh, she's studying marine biology in places like New Zealand and Australia are completely locked down. Yeah. Finally got accepted at the UK. Everything was locked down there, locked down here. She's Everything's ready to go. And then we got an email today saying, sorry, we've canceled. And so we're Such like, well, who canceled? Why? Like, what are we shutting it down for? And I know that we still have a pandemic going on, but... You can get COVID at Target here, or at, what's the Target in, I don't know, in the UK. Yeah, so, Glasgow. Huh? Yeah, so I've got crying daughter and frustration, but That's we do have bad. this new uh, variant, which seems to be on the surface. Things can change. Lessening. It's spreading. That's what happens to viruses. They change. Uh, but... Right now, it doesn't look very serious. The stock market, depending on the day, can't decide how serious it is. How serious should we be looking at this? Should we be locking down the world, Mara? It's minute by minute. We were talking about this before. I mean, this just goes on and on. Yes. One of the things I noticed is, and I think we want it, so I'm not faulting, but we analyze what we don't know, then we analyze when we do know. I was listening to this report about the new variant, and essentially this highly informed, highly respected person essentially said, here's all the things we don't know about it, and we're figuring out what we don't know, and boy, all these things could be super scary, or not at all, or they because we don't know. And and, and, And when you take that step back and you're like, that was the entire report, is that there's a new thing we don't know, and how do we not know? And how do we... And there's always going to be new variants. And always new variants of every 
viral disease. Yes. And so, and yet at the same time, you're not going to be the schmo who says, oh, I'm over this. I don't want to talk about it. But where do we find another balance in which it's not second by second and overanalyzing and conjecture about what may be and then coverage about what is and then anger about the conjecture? I mean, it's just this cycle that is exhausting. And, you know, we have a new variant. We're preparing for it. It's not in the U.S. now. It will be in the U.S. Oh, they I found mean, their first the, case in the okay. U.S. Yes, finally today. Okay. But the thing is, is it, it's here. So, Greg, yeah. we locked down and we're like, nobody is coming in from Africa. Africa found it. It doesn't mean it originated there. Seriously. And by the time we find something new, it's traveled around the world. There's probably not a country in the world, maybe some smaller ones where there's maybe not as much travel going on. It's it's around the world already. COVID's uh, proven its chops that it can get around this planet pretty quickly. Boom. I mean, I don't think it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think you're you're containing this thing in any way. It's uh, just inevitable. But uh, it, you're even hearing that some of the African nations where they're seeing a spike in in uh, this new variant, they they've started also at the same time they were seeing a spike, changing to a less expensive uh, way to test that has a higher margin of error. And so now they're asking out loud is part of that spike because we're using these, uh, there's, I can't remember what the name of them are, but there, there's a, a way to test and it, you can get a, buy a whole lot more of them, but they do have a margin of error that's higher. And yeah. so they worry about that. It, 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 it is hard because you see that, that they're saying is Mara, you pointed out, we don't know. We worry. It could be this, it could be that there's a lot of conjecture. Uh, we're not landing on a lot of science or what, what's right or wrong about it. But then they, they, the government, you see, there's the Washington Post broke last night that uh, that the Biden administration is thinking about seven day automatic quarantines for anyone reentering the country, uh, whether you have the vaccine or not, whether you've tested with uh, have a test that shows you don't have COVID, they're kind of the one they're looking at quarantining you for seven days. It's you know that's they're doing that after you hear about this new uh, variant, and so I think this is where cynicism continues to. To grow, it's it, it's anyway. So I think it's a challenge, yeah, and I think the frustration is, and obviously it's a new virus. We haven't had it before, so we've never done this before. But I think the frustration was, okay, we're going to lock down the world for two weeks, and everything's going to be fine. And then it was going to be, uh, it needs to be a little bit longer than that. Let's close the schools. Let's um, get vaccines as soon as we get a, you know, seventy percent of the vaccines will be good, or a certain amount of people, but. There's always a new bar. So I think sometimes we can all go through hard things when you know that if you could just do this, we'll be done. Or if you could just do this, we'll be done. And there's always a just a new just do this. And I think that's the frustration. Yeah, it is frustrating. But I also don't want to leave out that we have this sort of contempt for the the institution not knowing what to do. And it's like, why would the institution know what to do? So some of it is personal responsibility and that it is unknown. And how do we all, you know, stop making the hyperbole? It's just the insistence of wall-to-wall coverage at all levels and responses, I don't think is really healthy to problem no. solve and to make good government decisions. I think the government is sometimes reacting to the PR, not the science. Mm-hmm. Um, they're feeling trapped by the public conversation. And I mean, it, but it does, it's exhausting now. It just keeps going. If it, if it isn't about, if it isn't about the government wanting to exert more control and it's really about trying to protect people, then I think Mara, your comment about, Hey, buyer beware, everybody start taking some personal responsibility. Know that this thing is everywhere and anywhere. If you haven't got it, 
I, I am convinced it's only a matter of when. Even if you have the, the vaccine, I think this thing is going to break through. So I think it's going to happen. And I think we start emphasizing health and wellness. We start emphasizing the things that we can do to make ourselves and our immune system stronger. And let's get away from this idea that we're going to avoid it or never get it. I, I think this thing's here to stay. I think it's an endemic, not a pandemic. And so I think that government is not going to save everyone from themselves. And we're all just going to have to take the load and the, and the risk and whatever the reality is, we're going to have to face it. And you know, yeah. let it be. And knowing the reality will be important. I don't want to talk a lot about this, but uh, two courts have now blocked uh, the Biden administration's COVID vaccine mandates. And I think we're in this weird businesses are trying to prepare for the new year where they know there's vaccine mandates, but they don't know how much work they should put into it because there's holds. And obviously both of these decisions are from appellate courts. And so it's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, I'm assuming, where they decide if these mandates could happen, which brings us to the next topic I want to talk about. Uh, there's an abortion case being heard, and it's been, I think, a long time before since we've heard anything um, on the national level, Mara, about abortion cases. But Mississippi has is one of the cases that's now being heard. Where, where, here's what this is interesting for me, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give a suggestion that's maybe not on court. But why this is interesting is that this case was crafted for the legal challenge. So it is an interesting case study. I mean, it was purposely crafted to challenge specific things in Roe and Casey. And so it talks about viability, but that makes it an interesting test case because of its intent. It's not unintended, like I think Texas law has some unintended consequences, yeah. is broad purview and can pertain to other subject matters. The Mississippi law, the solicitor, very conscientiously from the right, um, structured this for a challenge. But And so... At, and and abortion is interesting because of the equal conviction, the complication, the sensitivity, what's life, who val it has values in it, it has religion in it, it has precedence in it, it has women's rights in it. But I, I'm gonna go another tact with it. I will just say for Ooh, those there's another option. For those that are not um this is one of the rare cases. You can always live live scream uh, live stream the courts. And I'm not suggesting that you lock yourself in your basement and listen to the whole argument. But you'll find access to these arguments online. I know that many of the radio outlets are listening to them. I would just suggest that I feel like if you listen to the Supreme Court on an issue as complex and as volatile as abortion, what it shows you is how America has proper discourse. Because what I love about the Supreme Court is everyone's ready to make the argument. The justices are incredibly bright. No matter how you feel about them, they're incredibly bright. And those who come before you, even if they're not the best of the best, they're the best prepared they will ever be in their lives. Yeah, they love the law. They understand yeah. the law. And however they interpret the law is what they're, you know, And it's a is. wonderful yeah. example of democratic discourse and agreement and disagreement. And when you listen firsthand, so, you know, you get a prescribed point of time, the justices have the upper hand, they can interrupt whenever they want, they can opine whenever they want, but they're so articulate and they're so different. So I would say regardless of where...
will pass bills about um, abortion and people are saying, you know, why do you do it? Because you can't change it. But this is why they do it because mm-hmm. they're looking for the case That's that right. can go challenge Roe v. Wade and bring it up on a national scale again. That's why they do it. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I want to, I wasn't planning to, to mention this, but what, what you said is so true about the, the discourse and the deliberation that happens with the Supreme Court. I, Neil Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch uh, had a I don't know, an evening where he spoke to, to people on campus at BYU, and I got to attend that a couple of years ago. And uh, he showed statistics. He said, I know that America probably thinks that every Republican uh, justice votes uh, conservative and every, uh, you know, and every justice that's appointed by a Democrat president votes, uh, votes liberal and that that's how we split as a court all the time. He showed very fascinating statistics that shows that it's rarely the case where you see the, 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 the divide in the court uh, as partisan as we talk about so often, uh, there is a real deliberation and there is this uh, differences of take of the Constitution and how it, and its application uh, by the, the, the Supreme Court, which I found to be incredibly interesting. I, it led me to look at the, our legislative body. I was speaker at the time to see how often we were actually landing on common ground versus partisan as, a, as, as respective parties. And it reminded me that we actually do in good public policy land on common ground. That said, I will. So, just to Greg's yeah. point, if you're if you're court watching, to his point, who they see as as we'll call him the swing is Kavanaugh and Chief Justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is Roberts. who you should be listening to for their course of questioning and for a cue, because those two um, are considered, depending on what part of the law they want to, you know, sort of base their judgment on. So, sorry. You know, and I but I I'll, I think this, I think it's going to really land. I think the 72 Roe v. Wade it's the court construed or created or read, and maybe it's there somewhere in the constitution, this constitutional protection of privacy. And it's been argued by originalists that that uh, protection of privacy is not found inside our constitution and it's 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 outside of the purview of a Supreme Court and making decisions that are constitutional or not. I do think that that is an area that's going to be really stared at and and scrutinized because the other argument is this federalism where states have the right, if it's not uh, you know defined in our U.S. Constitution, they have the right to to create the processes and and the electorate the, and the people that live in New York, the state of New York, and the people that live in Mississippi or the people that live in uh, Montana, Utah. Their respective legislative bodies may come up with different processes on how to protect women, make sure, protect people, uh, protect the unborn, whatever it may be. They have within their purview to make those decisions. So is there an overriding constitutional protection that would that would federal that would that would interrupt uh, federalism? We think I think I used to think federalism was the federal government, but federalism is states rights. Is this a states rights issue or are there defined constitutional uh, issues there uh, worth defending. So that's what I think it'll be about, and it'll be interesting to see how they, they deliberate. Greg and I have, have committed to making our sessions uh, shorter, so I'm going to resist the urge Yeah, you were two minutes, 20 seconds on the last one, then you interrupted me on my one minute into mine. So I'm timing it because <laughs> I knew you'd do this to me. You tell me that I talk okay. long, and I'm, I'm sh- timing. Okay. So All you right. know. He is keeping track. <laughs> well, I want to talk about another issue that I feel like it kind of went away for a little while. If there was anything good that came from the pandemic when our kids were at home, as I guess we didn't have to worry about school shootings, but it's happened yet again. And 
Today, a 15-year-old um, was charged with murder, terrorism, and other crimes for shooting uh, that killed four fellow students and then injured others at the Michigan High School. And I think it was kind of a relief that it was quiet for a while, but it's back, and every time a school shooting or a workplace shooting happens, Mara, we get back to the discussion of, um, you know, gun rights and, like, how do these kids get the guns? And there's always all these questions, but really, and the fight starts online, and everybody's like, well, this kid shouldn't have had a gun, or how'd they get the gun? I don't know that we know if it was his parents at this point or if they had it legally. There's so many questions. Is there ever a way that we're going to be able to solve this, or is this just how the world works? So sadly, this is not the only mass gun incident this week. There have been at yeah. least four. What we're mapping to is some arbitrary in which a mass shooting is five or more dead. And the fact that we have that standard now <clears throat> for coverage is incredible. I would just say, I'm, I'll keep mine short, but without exception... Gun violence, mass gun violence, the killing of Americans' children, the one common denominator is not age or race or gender or mental health status. The common denominator is guns. And until we accept that the common denominator is guns and we stop deifying a piece of merchandise and we stop attributing non these values to weaponry and merchandise and we don't change our relationship to weapons the common denominator of american gun violence is guns my cynicism about what my friend mara just said is that if you look at the homicide rate in chicago every night the, no, the number of people being uh, killed is is just it's it's a war zone you have you have inner cities and you have areas where it is not front page news it is not something we talk about we do we do, it is it makes for great clickbait and it's and not to demean that schools and school violence isn't uh, atrocious because it is but it isn't it, it isn't it is constantly used in this argument about the second amendment and about people's right to bear arms whereas some of the places and the places in our country that have the strictest laws you see some of the worst violence and worst crime and homicide rates and we don't talk about it and and i just i just find it to be selective logic the, the bottom line is this. If there is a person that commits a crime and they happen to be left of center in their social media posts, in their whatever it is they advocate, if a conservative were to point to the person's left-leaning philosophies and try to draw a line from it to the crime they committed, immediately the media and everyone else says, how disgusting that you would politicize this issue. But it is 100% the case that if there is a school shooting or if there is something that the left actually wants to politicize, it is never uh, unseemly, it is never untoward to find a political uh, consequence to uh, an act of a, a crime or something else. And so, again, it's it's not a two-way street. It's not We're not applying this logic fairly where if we see something happen and we want to understand the person who did it, we, we look at their politics and say, well, that must have informed that crime they committed. It, we, we don't look at all crimes that way. We only do that if it's a if it's a conservative issue that you want to attack, and it's a it's a moderate or not you, Mara. You're perfectly reasonable on this, but everybody else other than you, uh, uh, they, they do that. I just get fatigued over this selective outrage, selective logic. Um, just while you were talking, I googled just so if we want to know Chicago this year, seven hundred thirty-one murders on pace to surpass the record high. Philadelphia five hundred, Baltimore three hundred, Washington D.C. 204, which is the most since 2003. So there's a lot happening everywhere. And there's always the 
talk about mental health and everything else that goes along with it. I don't know if you guys saw that video, but there were some kids inside of a classroom yesterday. Did you see it where they were all kind of like waiting? And someone on the other end was saying, like pretending to be like a sheriff's deputy. They they were like, is it a sheriff's deputy? Is it not? It was actually the kid, the gunman, they believe. And the only reason why at some point they ran out the window on the other side of the classroom to escape is he's like, bro. And they're like, okay, well, no sheriff's officer, you know, is going to say bro to us. And then I'm thinking, what the heck is going through this kid's mind? Because he's not just coming in upset, angry, and like shooting and killing anyone in his path. He's like lying and conniving to get inside of rooms. And I'm like, wow, there are a lot of layers of scary here. The common yeah. denominator is access to guns. No. it's The, the common denominator is... For gun violence is actually My assumption is that it's probably I, I, there are over three hundred. We've said this before. There are over three hundred million guns before, in the in the United States of America. You can draw up any law you want. You can have every presidential ceremony signing you want in any lawn in the White House. There will those guns will still be here tomorrow. They yeah. are not going to go away. Right. This isn't Australia. Australia is the size of, of California. You can dog whistle all you want. I'm not dog whistling. But the I'm telling you. Common denominator for gun but, violence to, to is what access end, Mara? to guns. To what end? Do you want to get rid do of access to guns? Do you disagree with that? I'm saying. Do well, you the disagree sun rises with the common the denominator of gun well, violence? Yeah. You know is what? If someone, guns. if someone, so should we start a constructive conversation about access to guns? Again, that's. You just said that's a dog whistle. I'm saying the access to guns for criminals and criminally minded are not going away. But isn't There's that no the law that's going to get rid solve? of it. Should we noodle no. on it or should we just go wave our flags well, again? Well, I'll tell you this. You don't have DAs that won't prosecute violent crimes. You don't have the lawlessness you have because if you think I'm that not the, if you think the homicide the rate is I'm bad, interested in changing it. watch your eyes pop out of your head when you see the violent crime rate that the FBI statistics reported this year that are over 100% higher in some of these major metropolitan areas that, again, isn't about guns and in and of itself about guns. It's about crime, about what's being charged, uh, felonies that are being broken down to misdemeanors. There's lawlessness going on. We flash mobs used to be this thing where people got together and danced on social media like you play. Flash mobs now are just smashing the windows of Nordstroms and all these places and stealing but because Craig, guess this, what? This tactic Shoplifting of yours to isn't say, a crime let's talk anymore. About international so now terrorism. we see this. The I mean, tactic of changing the issue I'm is not, not helpful. Mara, I'm saying that, that that you're trying to be so selective and you so myopic about the guns, guns. when violent crimes on the whole are going up and it's not because of the guns. It's because of the lawlessness and the refusal to charge violent crimes as violent so crimes. So you don't think legislatures should be addressing it in the specific, you like overarching laws that take in huge amounts of expenses of big government. Anybody who's purchased a gun will know that you're not sitting in, You're not. it is a highly scrutinized process to purchase a gun in America. It's state by state, Greg. Highly, you highly. You can't say that. There are a million systems to purchase a gun. So you're saying that there's some less... There is no national standard to push your, purchase a gun. So there's there's the no database transactional. Is a nat national database. Well, look, not I'm everyone just telling requires you, the registration. You can say that about the great state of Utah. Anybody go... Greg, there's in, no in standardized model. Conservative so Utah, go buy a gun and see the kind of scrutiny that you go through. I hadn't read yet about the dad. So the dad, you said, bought the gun four days ago. I'm assuming he went through the legal process yeah, of doing hour. it. it's a six-hour. It's a traditional 9 millimeter. I think they were trying to unpack how he got it. But I, I don't so think how this was a how do we bad change? guy doing yeah. a bad thing. So how do we change it? Because it seems like a lot of times when we come to the common ground, the common ground is that we can look and make sure that people go through the proper you know, hoops that they jump through to get the guns. How do we change that if the parents or the adults are going through the proper channels, they're buying a gun they can legally have, and then their kid has it. Do My we charge the parents for not locking it up? It's a lot about treating it as a consumer object and not this, this 
aggrandized sense of who America is. So if we could just regulate <sighs> guns, not restrict them, not eliminate them, this is not, if don't go into- Consumer goods are not constitutionally protected. Your but right to bear arms the is. The Second Amendment isn't interpreted that way. Until the 70s and 80s, and once again in the 90s was the first time that the Second Amendment had ever been afforded to an individual. It's not across the board, Greg. It's not, you You act like our hands are tied America about the weapon. historically drink. had, people have yeah, had guns in their homes. Yeah, and I'm not arguing that. I'm without, not arguing without that pause. we should get rid of guns. You ask for what it is, and we should standardize the treatment of guns at the level we need to, because right now it's not standardized. No one said take your guns away. There's nothing dramatic here. There's nothing that's going to hurt hunters, but you have to get off of your hallowed ground that doesn't it's exist already a highly scrutinized Amendment. exercise to it get a gun not. it's it banned not. in some areas it's you not. can't get guns in some areas Apparently in some dc year, and chicago and everywhere else out in michigan how to get around but this my point Mara, restricted is system. you can keep trying to make laws that you think will stop that from happening there those guns aren't going away i don't They're think still i'm around. trying to make a law if you will listen to me it's about the point of view that has decided to treat guns as some act of freedom and instead is. of just a commodity that it is no it's you know we the sovereignty unlike kings and dictators the sovereignty in america is are the people and yes, your right to bear arms is not a sporting right it's not a right to hunt it's how you protect yourself that's defined as militia there's so much in the constitution beyond and you this has and been a country that has guns. had guns this is why japan said yeah, they're not, not going to invade california there's more guns more than blades of grass than i am okay. i'm just saying that you don't right. there's I don't know this how you think you're going to restrict guns. I always guns. wonder if we can mend the relationship between. I don't well, mind, we're I don't, I've I don't known she's so. crazy on this issue for for okay. ever. Here's <laughs> something that you might too might be able to agree and she on. She would say I the same know. about me, so that's fine. You're a lobbyist for police now. You're married to a police officer, <laughs> a chief, a one-time chief. Uh, we have a new chief in Provo. I don't personally know a lot about him. Uh, he was over the UTA police for a while, also at Salt Lake City. Uh, Greg, are we approving of the new police chief in Provo, or is the jury still out? No, it, actually, it's a... Tell I, us his I, name. I it's just... Fred Ross. Fred Ross. Fred Ross. I, I applaud Provo uh, for making the decision. It, it hit the news. He was very tight-lipped about it. But, uh, look, I'm Fred lived in Draper. We were neighbors. He's always been a, a strong community uh, at, Not activist, but just it, Draper Days. It's our annual... You know, he fair. puts on a good carnival. He works. He volunteers. <laughs> he he's, he's riding the golf cart around <laughs> at the Draper Days Parade at the Draper Days Festival, helping people all day. And he has a job. He had a tough job in Salt Lake City, right down at Rio Grande. Uh, when I was speaker, because we knew each other, he asked me to come down there to Ground Zero, where there's some real human carnage going on. So he's sadly. the one who talked you into that. He okay. did, and so then he from Salt Lake City, he then moved on to UTA, and now he's going to be the chief of police in Provo. He is a true public servant. He, I've watched him. Uh, he, he humanized people that were experiencing homelessness. He found ways to help them get, if they need to get to a, to get a birth certificate, get to the Department of Health so they could do that. If they need to get a job, he tried to find ways of, for transportation. He's, he's just a, a good, good man. He has always been committed to the, his community where he lives, where he works. And uh, I'm just very happy to see him uh, in a tough, tough job in a time where, uh, sadly, in America, people, Law enforcement's oftentimes painted as the bad guys. 
There's no version of Fred Ross you can paint as a bad guy. He's he's the okay, best. Okay, well let's ask Mara about that. Do you have so, a, do you know a different version or do you align with how? So Greg well, so are you, well do you done. Align with Greg Hughes. Just say well yes or done, no. It's a yes or no. Kafusi, I think we should expect big things of Fred Ross. He is um, a leader. We should all start pointing to. We should give him as many platforms as we can. If you have a big idea about community policing and. Anything beyond that, give those ideas to Chief Ross. He is such a good public servant. He's doing it for the right reasons. He has an endless amount of energy and imagination. He's not afraid to be right. He's not afraid to be wrong. He respects the people he works with, but he holds people to a higher standard, which we're often missing. So I think that um, I wish he were closer to Salt Lake is what I think. I wish he were the Salt Lake City Police Chief, but good luck to Provo, and I think Fred Ross is someone... We should all be um, paying attention to, if you didn't see it, Channel 2 did a story about it last night, but um, look to Fred for um, being inventive and innovative in law enforcement. So yes, you agree with me. I think Mayor Kafusi <laughs> made a great choice. <laughs> so you wholly agree with Greg Hughes. I, that's I what, I, that's what I took from to that answer. Thank you so today. much, Mara. Not that's today. beautiful. Other times, not today. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not feeling it today. I know we are short on time right now, but I do want to mention that uh, Friday when we're not going to be hanging out together, we'll all be watching our TVs and clinging to Twitter to see if we have a partial government shutdown or not. Uh, real quickly, thumbs up or thumbs down. Are we going to solve this problem Mara before Friday? I think Friday. we inevitably have to, but why do they have, in the middle of a pandemic, seriously, can't you just not make trouble? So we'll have to sort it out eventually, but both sides are childish and petulant and they'll make us suffer in I between. know. Happy yeah. holidays, well, everyone. It's, <laughs> it's a debt It's a debt ceiling. We keep crashing through it, but, you know, going further and further in debt. And I'm telling you, the, the inflation monster is really impacting us. We're seeing groceries, we're seeing the cost of everything going up and Unlike some people who think that that's temporary or that's good, it's not. And it, it does help harm struggling families uh, in yeah. terms of their groceries and everything else. It's we keep kicking the can is the problem. And it's not even just a pandemic problem or this no. problem or this president problem. It just keeps happening. So I hope Congress pulls it together and figures it out. I do want to let you know, too, um, if you are listening to this podcast before Monday, December 6th, I have a story um, that will be airing about a doctor here in Utah who unfortunately took his life during the pandemic. It's a very complicated case, but there's some hope that comes out of this. And I hope you'll listen because I think there's a lot of our caregivers who are not being cared for right now. And there's a bill coming in the legislature that I hope will um, maybe save some of our doctors' lives, our caregivers' lives, because they need our care. And that is coming up on Monday night, so we can talk about that next week. But tune in 10 o'clock then, and otherwise, we will be back next Friday. Thanks so much for coming in and playing nice some of the time and fighting a little bit, right? Yeah. I have no dog whistle. I just want that known right don't. now. I have dogs, but I have no whistle for one of the any of those We dogs. wouldn't know because you can't hear it unless yeah. you know. Ooh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's just your spin, dog whistles. Yeah.